Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you're here on People Have the Power, where this week we have a really interesting and enlightening conversation with Noelle Skaggs from Fits in the Tantrums. She has been a leading voice for activism in 2020. She explains where so much of that comes from and her favorite protest songs. Hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. What's really fascinating for me is to find how these songs both have a relevance today and apply yeah. to people's lives continually. So do you want to start with Nina Simone? That was the order I got them in, but we can start with whatever order yeah. you want to go in. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's crazy when you're when you're talking about how they're still relevant today, you know, and you're talking about this song in particular, and, and she's talking about second class, class housing and second class schools and, you know, uh, basically treating African-Americans like we're fools. That's basically the, you know, like the strongest line of that song that I'll always remember. Um, but, you know, even then, we're, we're still talking about this today. We're still talking about, when we're talking about defunding police and sheriff's departments to put money towards community programs and education and things that create um, more opportunities for underprivileged and, you know, uh, communities of modest means that are primarily um, uh, minority groups. Um, it's still happening now. We're still arguing for the same treatment and fairness across our, our communities. Um, you know, even within jobs, when you're looking at, you know, now the music industry has the Black Music Action Coalition to help record labels that have dedicated, you know, $500 million into, you know, social justice causes and, and you know, them saying, we got a lot of social justice causes within our industry that we should probably focus on as well because of the fact that there is a lack of African-Americans in positions of executive power. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that we could be fixing within our industry. And if we're going to talk the talk, we need to walk the walk as well. Um, you know, so it's, it's this kind of repetitive story that we're hoping one day we never have to speak on again, but it seems like it's this consistent fight. And it's been going on since my mom was in her youth. And she was one of the first kids that went into integrated school systems, you know. And, you know, she remembers how she was treated. And it's just really interesting to kind of look at the generation before, before me. I'm only 40, you know. Uh, but the generation before me, the baby boomers, as my, my aunt, my aunt is a baby boomer. And their responses are so different because they already lived all of this shit. They've already been through all of it, you know? So it's them watching someone being strangled to death by a police officer on camera is the, the reality that they've, they've seen this in their lifetime. It's frightening that it's still happening. It's still happening today, you know? So, I mean, you know, Nina was one of the songs that I chose um, primarily because it speaks to that generation and everything that they went through. And the reason why she left America, you know what I mean? It's still happening right now, you know? And, uh, you know, to listen to a song like that and still know that it has relevance in 2020 is, is alarming. Well, what's so interesting about it, the very first people who did this show were the Indigo Girls, right? And, and the first yeah. song they chose was We Shall Overcome. And we talked about the fact that, you know, that's a song that is almost 100 years old. 
and people are still singing it in streets to at protests today. And and yeah. it, it's it's you know both sad that these songs still are relevant today, yeah, but also goes to the strength of the songs that they do have a timelessness. So strictly from a musical perspective, yes. They have this, yeah. you know, enduring quality that goes on and on and on. Strictly from a, a relevant standpoint, you wish that you could just listen to them as great songs, appreciate the artistry, <laughs> exactly. you know, and none of this other shit mattered anymore. But it's funny. Yeah. One of the songs that kind of, you know, I, I've always been a fan of, of songs that I would consider protest songs or social justice songs, right? One of the songs that jumped out at me, because in February, before all of this shit happened with COVID, I got to see Sinead O'Connor perform, and it was mind-blowing. <laughs> Such yeah. an incredible show. But it was interesting, because she did the song Black Boys on Mopeds, and I went back and was revisiting you know, her catalog. And it's like, you know, she has a line there about, like, you know, I don't want my kids to know there's any such thing as grieving. That's why I'm leaving. And it's like, that's a song from 1990 that could have been written today or I was researching it, you know, and what's going on is going to turn 50 years old next May. Yeah. How the fuck does that song feel 50 years old when you feel like it could be written right now in this moment? So, I mean, it, it's, it's a frustrating thing. So when you hear these songs, you know, and you know that, you know, when you talk with your family about the fact that they went through these things, it's interesting. Talk about what that sort of means to you and, and, you know, the perspective it gives you getting to talk to people who've lived through it and have a different view because yeah. they've seen this and been through it. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my, uh, I love talking to my aunt. My, my aunt has a background in, um, in, uh, adoption. Uh, she worked for an organization called the Institute of Black Parenting, which was really focused on, you know, um, giving young foster youth and, and children of color homes and, you know, opportunity to find permanent families. That was her focus. So she's, you know, she has a background in psychology and her whole thing. So I love, I love really talking to her, especially when I'm having a hard time. She was, you know, she was one of the first people that I spoke to. My brother actually told her to call me. He's like, you need to call Noelle. No, Noelle's not doing all right. She's, you know, she needs you right now. So, you know, it's just like talking to her and the perspective that she had is, you know, obviously she's the first thing with out of her mouth. She's like, when we all die, it's going to change. When we all die, when all of us are gone, when all the ones that still control the vote and all of us are gone, it's going to change, you know? It's a, you know, it's a, it's a sad fact that this has to be, you know, but she, you know, she's, she's right. You know, the people that, you know, are within her age group, um, you know, that came from times where it was still okay to call, you know, black folks, the N word in their social settings and still okay to, you know, um, uh, treat us as if we were less than those people are still around and they're still voting. You know, and maybe their their lives have changed because of grandkids or whatever, um, you know, but the, a lot of them still think the same way, you know. So she's, you know, her whole perspective is just thinking about it on a, on a sense of until the generation that has, has really fed this 
for as long as it's been fed until they're no longer a part of the conversation or the narrative anymore, then, you know, we'll, we'll start to see some progress because you're even seeing it with the way people are voting, you know, uh, when we're looking at our presidents, when you're talking about Bernie Sanders and you're looking at Joe Biden and there seems to be a fear of, 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 uh, radical progress happening too quickly, you know? It's like, let's still sit in this, you know, in this, in this space that we're in, that we've been in for, for decades now, instead of looking at the root of the problem and plucking it out. You know, it's just like plant more seeds over the bad seeds and, and see, what, see what grows. You know what I mean? Like we're progressing, but you're not ripping out the roots. You're not, you know, and, and, and I, I'm so happy that I'm watching what's happening with the protests of Confederate monuments, you know, and their significance, especially here in the South, you know, how significant is it for you to bow down to someone that murdered, butchered, raped other human beings? Despite our, despite our race, they murdered, butchered, raped, trafficked children Human beings, human beings. Let's get the race out of it. Let's get the race out of it. That, that's the bottom line there. You want to go and have a holiday, name a school, name a museum, have a, a statue in the middle of a beautiful center where everyone can see it. That's what you're proud of. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And, and it's funny. You know Kevin Lyman who, who put on the Warp Tour? Yes. Kevin, I remember telling me this and I, it cracked me up, but it's funny because it's, he's like, look, he, he basically is like, he was telling me that he had a belief that people over 65 should not be allowed to vote anymore. And he's like, we'll take care of your retirement benefits. We'll take care of the stuff that you're interested in, but no, you know, and it, it's true. I mean, and it's a really fascinating thing. And what you realize is that, you know, what you were talking so much of this about the progress, it comes out of fear. What you're seeing yeah. is so many people who, who look at, you know, the changes that we've had and they're just terrified that the world is passing them by, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think what's interesting and, and, you know, even watching sort of the, the, you know, like frightening rise of white supremacy in the last couple of months, it's, I was talking about this with someone, it's because it's their last gasp. They know that. They know that, you know, they had their president in office if it doesn't happen now, they become dinosaurs. And it's funny because months ago, I was talking with John Densmore from The Doors, who's such a smart guy. And he was talking about, you know, like Trump and the president of Brazil and Boris Johnson, and these people who he said, they're dinosaurs who, what you're talking about, they're dinosaurs who are just, you know, like they're, they're breathing their fire, just trying to hold their last who's still, Who is still holding on to coal? <laughs> coal! It has yeah. been proven to be toxic to humans. It's been proven to poison our oceans. It's been proven to poison the land. It's already been proven. And you want to continue creating policies to allow oil companies to basically suck up everything. Yeah. Of course <laughs> they do. You know? <laughs> You know, for it, it's it's absurd. It is absurd, but I, I think that you know, 
I mean, you, you, you do see change and it's funny because it ties in with your second choice. Kill Scott yeah. Haran. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and I mean, again, it's, that's an interesting, you know, if George Floyd hadn't been, you know, murdered on camera, exactly. Would we have had this, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so in that, you know, because of that, the revolution was televised. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was televised in, in, uh, in a way that, you know, isn't considered the, you know, the, the natural way of finding news. You know what I mean? If you're not, if you're of the age bracket that, you know, social media is like Facebook, you know, but there's all of these other mediums that are happening, you know, um, and people becoming their own investigative journalists, you know, really on all of these kids being forced to become journalists and, and, and find the truth wherever they can find it. You know, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. You get a lot of, you get a lot of, you know, conspiracy that's now really inflated because it has a, you know, platform to spread upon. And, you know, if people are not careful, they're sucked into it unknowingly, you know, so you have to do a lot more digging in into the things that you're reading and, you know, making sure that, the news that you are getting is are from sources that subscribe to the fact that if they lie, they have a penalty, you know, they are penalized for it. And, you know, these, uh, you're talking about the new, yeah, there may be bias, there may be liberal bias, there may be all of these things, but it's still news and you can choose to dig in further and, and, and figure out the wording and the, and the truths yourself or you can just, you know, do what most people do and just take it as, as that's it. That's the, that's all the information you need to have. You know, I'm one of those people that I follow the money. I read Wall Street Journal. I read Business Insider. I have Bloomberg. I follow the money because most of the time you're going to figure out exactly what the next play is based upon watching how they're playing the stock market or watching what's happening in these backdoor corporate deals between government and, you know, and tech firms and all of these things, you're able to kind of figure it out. You know, if you, uh, if you're educated enough to, to kind of understand, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, no, it's exactly what you said, you know, why I chose this song because it is so relevant to it's, it won't be televised. It won't be televised in the way that you think it it will be. (laughs) But it's going to get out. The message is going to spread. The movement is going to start and it's going to upend you. You know, did anybody think that uh, the Black Lives Matter movement would have caught like wildfire the way that it has now? But it's almost, if you match it to, you know, um, was it Alabama when those when the young girls got blown up in the church and it was kind of one of the things that really sparked up the civil rights movement because it gave it national exposure, right? George Floyd is that. Yeah. Rodney King was that. Rodney King was that first picture of police brutality in such a way that you couldn't turn away from it. You know? Yeah. Um, but the fact that it's consistently black bodies that are having to be the start of these movements is dumbfounding. 
which then of course ties in with your third song. Fuck the police. Jay Dilla. Jay Dilla's version. I chose Jay Dilla's version specifically for the line where he talks about uh, police officers fucking detainees. And uh, excuse my French, raping detainees. Um, and there have been several cases that have popped up. There's, there's one specifically that have, has just come up in, in, in uh, Los Angeles, um, an L.A. sheriff um, being accused of raping a detainee. Um, there are conversations about the laws that don't protect detainees from uh, the, uh, what could be seen as consensual sex. But when you have an authority, it's not really consensual, right? So there's that, that, that happening as well, you know? So I, I chose that particular song, not just because of, you know, the fact that every, you know, it's, it's the tension between police officers and, you know, uh, communities of color right now is very high. That's, that's understated. It's been high for a very long time, you know? And I think now People are, are more open to educating themselves. People are more open to talking about it, putting it on their platforms and keeping it going. You know, this is a very different time because we're forced to stay home. And, and what else do you have to do? Yeah. You know? Well, it's interesting though, because I mean, I think that's one of the things that was brought up is the fact that, you know, look, that the protests probably wouldn't have taken off the way they did. As you put it, like wildfire, it was a combination of things of also people being frustrated about being stuck in the house, you know, about the economy. And so it was, you know, sort of a boiling point that yeah. the positive of it, again, I guess, is, you know, looking at that is the fact that, again, there would not have been, you know, this wouldn't have gotten the attention probably. And I spoke, it's funny, I just interviewed Annie Lennox and we were talking about, you know, she has a, a charity for women called The Circle. And we were talking mm -hmm. about what men can do to be allies, you know, because we agree with that. I mean, you know, Black Lives Matter would not have been, you know, I mean, was empowered as much also by the fact there were so many allies this time and so many people going out yeah. there and yeah. protesting, you know. So it's interesting, though, because, again, like you say, it was because people were home yeah. and they had the ability to do, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when you're thinking about. You know, a lot of the issues that are bubbling up to the surface that people are now becoming aware of, I think the force of being home and kept in your in your incubating kind of, you know, situation, even before all of this started, you were forced to look at yourself. You were forced to look at, you know, your life, the things that you really want, what's really important, your relationships, your loneliness, how you deal with that. All of these factors, right, compiled upon your human spirit and forcing you to connect because if you don't connect, if you don't start paying attention to your mental health and your ability to communicate, right, you're not going to make it through this quarantine. You're not going to last a month through this social distancing, you know, um, Having that reality, that sense of self, this kind of, you know, forced change that that needed to occur. I think that that has allowed the openness that we're seeing. That's allowed the 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 fearlessness and having hard conversations, you know, with other individuals that you may not agree with. But then also being able to fight for things that you were afraid to fight for a year ago, 
because if you were an artist, you were concerned about how many fans you were going to lose. You know, if you were, you know, living in a community that's primarily white and you're not racist and you're watching racist things happen, now you're not so fearful of calling people out on it, right? Because you want to be the change that you see or that you seek at this, at this point in time, you know? So I think, you know, my, my, you know, I've, I've been asked about COVID and, and all of these things. I mean, I was going through the ringer. I was depressed for weeks, weeks at a time, looking at my life and realizing that it's not so different, you know, now than it is when I come home from tour, you know what I'm saying? I live alone. I have my two dogs. I have a great house. I have wonderful friends, but I live alone and I can go through, you know, motions where I don't really leave my house. Like it's not, it's like, cool. I work from home. It's not a big, you know, it's not a big deal. But for me to look at the loneliness factor of it, like, holy shoot, I'm not going to just be able to get on a plane and fly and go see my friends. Even if I did go to LA, I can't see my parents. You know, that puts a whole new kind of like significant, like, oh, this is some real, some realness. We got to, we got to embrace what's happening here, you know, but then when George Floyd happened and, you know, it had been a line because every single death that had happened before him, you know, I thought about all those people. I get angry when I, when I watch what's happening with our elect, you know, our electoral system and how it impacts people of color, how it suppresses our vote. You know what I mean? Um, and poor people, you know what I'm saying? Like I am, I am a, I'm a Libra. Maybe that's a part of it. I'm a person that is all about justice and finding it and helping where I can, you know, um, and, and to see these, this constant injustice was a weight, man. It was a weight. Because I started looking at myself, like, why do people hate me so much? You know, you take it personal. There's a grieving process. And then not to not, I don't have a lot of close friends that are African-American outside of my family, you know. And the few that I do, we're all dealing with the same stuff, right? We're all dealing with the same grieving process. We're all dealing with, the anger, we're all dealing with the frustration, we're all dealing with the we don't want to be your fucking educators. We've been telling you this forever. Now it's your turn, you know, to educate each other when we're talking about, you know, our, our white colleagues or whoever's asking for, you know, asking us to hold their hand through the process. Like we didn't have to hold your hand. You know, I just recently was watching um, a, a, a doula speak on, uh, on Instagram, she's like, we didn't have to hold your hand for the women's march. You know, we didn't have yeah. to hold your hand through every other, you know, thing that had to do with the, the, the masses, right? Don't make us be that for you now. Now is the time for you to step up. Now is the time for you to go back and look at all the posts that we've been doing, to think about, about all the conversations we've been having. And to look at yourself and say, how did I contribute to that? How did I contribute to that? Even on my best day, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even unintentionally, how, how may I have, have I contributed to what's happening? You know, 
Yeah, it's interesting because as you said that though about it's funny because as you were saying about like you know what she was saying about the you know about like uh, what Adula was saying about you know we didn't have to hold your hand through this you know it's as I think about it I'm like but yeah it's true like you know when it came to like gay rights and everything too LGBTQ rights no didn't you know didn't really have to hold hand either so yeah 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 I think that's important for people to you know that really struck me and I actually ended up reposting it and I was just like if you watch anything today watch these two women speak and ask yourself these hard questions, you know, and it's okay. And it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, so it's so funny because I think about us as African-Americans, we have our fucking Karens, you know, we do as, as African-American people, we, we do have them, you know, we have, we have, you know, the Candace Owens of the world, you know, that are, are in, in, in a harsh denial of, you know, racism still existing in this country, you know, and its impact and its impact. You know, um, I had a big, you know, argument with a friend of mine who's a wonderful photographer and artist who said, Candace Owens for president. And I almost threw up, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, there are so many other wonderful black women and they don't even have to be Democrats. You know what I'm saying? Just human beings that aren't so detached from their history are in so denial of their history that they, they make the rest of us feel like we're lying or try to make it look like we're lying, you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting as well. I mean, let's, let's take this back and, you know, tying in with music yeah. and the songs you chose. Yeah. Talk yeah. about the role of music in educating. And there was a really powerful song that came out recently. Is a uh, guy by the name of John Ellison. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He wrote the song, Some Kind of Wonderful, back in 1967. He was one of the first guests on the show. And this video, the extended version, where he talked about all the things that had happened to him, where he talked about, because he's 78 years old. Yeah. So he's been through the ringer. And when he talks yeah. about, you know, like his brother being killed in a hospital in West Virginia and the guy who killed him never going to jail for it. Or when he talks yeah. about 1969 being hit by a beer bottle in Cincinnati and being blinded for a year, and the people never going to jail. It, it's, he delivers it musically, but you know, just the power of it and hearing his stories is yeah. remarkable. Because you know? again, this is a guy who's lived through so much. Yeah. So yeah. for you, talk about, you know, you know, it's funny because what you say about not wanting to hold hands, there is a way that music can be an educator. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, a lot of the art forms, but especially music, because when you think about music, it takes the guard down. You know, when uh, when we're discussing music being this universal language, you may not necessarily love the genre, say if it's a uh, it's a genre that you don't listen to, but there's something about it that can impact your emotion and your spirit, and it can disarm you in such a way that you don't even recognize. That, you know, it could be something that, you know, uh, if you're if you're thinking about uh, politically or whatever it is, whatever your social moral beliefs are, could be completely against what you've been taught of what you've learned. Right. 
but then you find some way of identifying with those stories. Um, it's what I think is so beautiful about, you know, music in general. I actually put a, uh, a playlist together called Songs for Rebels. I was just feeling really inspired about, you know, having a soundtrack for your social justice, you know, movement, whatever that looked like in your life, you know, wh whatever you're doing right now, to have a soundtrack that was kind of this historic kind of tale of everything that you're fighting for right now. You know, from uh, it starts with actually it starts with Nina Simone's backlash and it ends with Macklemore's white privilege. And he does this whole song <laughs> that is talking about what that looks like him as a white rapper and feeling, you know, his feelings of should even be a part of the conversation. Wait, what is he doing here talking about Black Lives Matter? Like, is he you know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah. looking at that from that from through that framework and, you know, uh, Bob Marley's war is another thing you know, the, the entire first, you know, um, ly lyrics of that until, um, until the philosophy which holds one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited. I have to look it up and abundant everywhere is war like just talks about all of these things until the hatred of another person's skin tone or the belief that you're superior over anyone ends we're going to continuously see this conflict yeah it's all you know it's it's, it's all relative but then you can talk about happy songs you know songs that are uplifting you know to your spirit um, one of my favorite songs is actually uh, Maze, Frankly, Frankie Beverly and Maze, Happy Feelings. Mm -hmm. That is such a phenomenal song and that it, it just talks about a good vibe, about feeling so happy in your soul that it just vibrates off of you and it's infectious, you know? Um, I played that song recently and it just lifted me up. I didn't realize how deep I had been going into such serious content and into this serious, you know, got to do this. I'm working on this. Diversify. Breonna Taylor. All of these things, all of these heavy, heavy, heavy topics that we're dealing with right now. I didn't realize that I hadn't listened to a song that just made me feel good since COVID started. Well, it's interesting. We'll wrap up in a minute, but we'll wrap up on this. Yeah. It's funny. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you guys as Fits of the Tantrums just announced a, uh, you're doing a drive-in show in yes. Orange County. Yes, in uh, Anaheim, Ventura. Uh, we're, uh, we're doing first drive-in shows. Um, this will be a, a testing ground for, you know, Fits in the Tantrums and, and you know, I, I guess a lot of concerts in the future in the States for now until we can figure out how to safely, you know, create live music experiences again. It's interesting because, you know, one of the things about Fits in the Tantrums is it's a good time. It is a really good time. And it's a very funny thing because I remember talking about this years ago with Chris Stein and Debbie Harry from Blondie, right? And yeah. about the fact that for them... You know, if you go and if you listen to Blondie, there's nothing overtly political in any of their stuff. But we no. talked about this. The reality is that in this world, in this climate today, allowing people just to dance and have a good time 
is a political statement in and of itself. Yeah. Because the reality is, because yeah. I was talking with them in 2017 about the responsibility of artists to speak out and give back during the time of, you know, the racist in chief. And that's one of the things that we talked about was, so it's interesting because you mentioned specifically that, you know, until you'd listened to Frankie Beverly and Mays, you hadn't gone and listened to anything a beat in a long time. But talk about the responsibility then, or the role, I shouldn't say responsibility, the role of the artist in uplifting yeah. people and creating this good time, you know, during this time when, let's face it, people freaking desperately need it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because our band has always been about that. We've always, especially the way that we approach our shows, we've always wanted to bring joy to people. We always wanted to give you an hour or hour and a half of joy and uplifting your spirit and movement because movement is so important, you know, being able to just like scream and shout and not worry about the next person, you know, the, the person next to you and all equally having this fabulous time. It's so important. It's important more so because of mental health. When you think about mental health and you're, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, wellness and the need to exercise and the need to, you know, get your serotonin levels and all of these things. That's something that we practice on stage, you know, um, it's something that I ask for before I even, you know, get on the mic. I, I say a prayer and I say, give me the courage and the strength to uplift the masses or the people that are here right now, allow them to let themselves go allow them to forget about their, tr their troubles if only just for this one minute or this hour or this one song. And I say it every single night. So it's interesting for you as a fan, what's the one show that you could think of where I know exactly what you're talking about, that, that feeling of, you know what? Cause I see, a, I saw a lot of shows, <laughs> a yeah. lot of shows, you know, and it's interesting because when you, when you see so many shows, your, your benchmark for a great show changes. And for me, the benchmark is a show that takes you out of yourself. When you oh, can yeah. forget about everything. So when you don't think about anything but just being in that moment, you know? So for you, what's the last show or the one show that stands out for you the most as a fan of having that experience of what um, you're talking about? I would probably say seeing Justin Timberlake at Bridgestone Arena during his um, his his last record is in the woods. Is that the name of the record? Um, I went with my a really good friend of mine here in Nashville, and we danced the entire time, like from the the seats up until we got to the actual floor. Because my friend ha at the time happened to be working production for his for his crew. So he got us like passes so that we could get on the floor. We danced from the time he got on the stage to the time that he left and scream and sang and, and, and did every single song. And I hadn't done that at a show in a really long time. And I had, I just had, it just reminded me, was like, he is such, he's such a star. I'm such a fan of his in general. You know, he's such a talent. He is a gifted, gifted dude, you know? Um, but I had a wonderful time going to see his performance. His singers were incredible. I love, you know, he did a, a he did his duet with uh, Chris Stapleton, who was a total surprise to the Nashville crowd. And if you've ever been to a show in Nashville, they show love. You know, it's 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 one of the better experiences that you can have. You know, there in Philly, I think. 
Interesting. Okay, because I used to live in Philly, so I remember seeing a lot of shows in Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What do you want to add that we did not talk about? Because we covered a lot, and I appreciate how in-depth yeah. we went. And, you know, that's the fun thing for me about this, too, is, that, again, this format, it's like, you know, it educates me on songs. Like, for example, yeah. you know, the fact that you chose Jay Dilla, that version, and why you specifically chose, you know, Jay Dilla's version was interesting mm-hmm. to me. And also it's just because when you talk about these songs, it leads to such interesting conversation. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, thank you for doing this, this, uh, this cast, because I think that it's important to, you know, use the tool of music to have important conversations. You know what I'm saying? It can be used in so many different ways. Um, and I think this is a good, you know, kind of cathartic type of podcast where you can talk about like, this is what's, you know, been lifting me up or this is, you know, uh, if I had to word, you know, 2020 right now would be this song right here. <laughs> you know, it like, kind of gives you the permission to kind of talk about uh, things that are really important. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for having me. Um, if people don't have the record, pick up all the feels. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a feel good album, but we talk about a lot of different topics, you know, uh, one being mental health is a really, you know, um, a big topic on this record. Uh, but also just in giving yourself a lift, you know, if you're, if you're feeling low, listen, I just want to shine and, you know, put your hands out to the world and, and, you know, and sing along with it. Um, and then also, I wanted to say I'm actually working on an initiative that's going to be focused on uh, diversifying our stages and live events and touring industries as well. Um, so I've been working on that for the past month or so. So look out for Diversify the Stage. I'll be doing an announcement about that soon. Nice. What's the timeline for the announcement? I'm hoping within the next couple weeks, actually, going to start. Um, we're going to do some uh, internal stuff of gather um, all of the support that I need for it and then hoping by August 1st or so or the first week of August to kind of go live with it. Nice. Well, I look forward to checking that out for sure. By the way, since I'm sitting with my dog, what kind of dogs do you have? Um, I have a Dachshund mix and I have a a Belgian Malinois Blue Healer mix. So one's black, one's brindle, one's short-legged, one's long and lean. (laughs) (laughs) They're great. But it, Marley actually is the tour dog. She's the one that's been with me the longest. Her birthday is tomorrow. Nice. And, uh, How old? Yeah. Uh, she'll be five. Okay. Five in human years. <laughs> so still very active though. Still very. So, I mean, as active as she can be, she's a pretty chill dog. She's always been very chill. Um, Helen is her younger sister who I got right after I landed getting into COVID, I was, I was uh, going to foster, foster her just for like a week and see if I liked it. And I decided to keep her. Yeah. So she's six months. Mind uh, right here, the pit lab mix that you see producing on the couch. He was a foster. Yeah. Yeah. Two days after, after two days, I was like, Nope, he's not going anywhere. (laughs) Not, uh, not, they're the best. Yeah. They, yeah. He's so, they're so appreciative. So great. So cool. Well, this was really informative. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Have a good one. Thanks. Take care of yourself. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been listening to People Have the Power 
with fits in the tantrums, Noel Scabs. Hope you enjoy this one as much as we did.